0: So, a guy walks into a bar and says, Hey, I'd like to live in a state of harmony and growth with the contradictions of life. The bartender looks at him and says, Well, what does he say? Welcome to the Serve Conscious Podcast. My name is Stefan. I'm a meditation and mindfulness teacher, and recently I decided that everything I've been teaching in this field gets tested in the grit and grime of service work. You know, stuff like waiting tables. Humble stuff that might seem dull and dreary, but in fact, teaches me everything I need to know about mastering myself. Let's talk about how this works. Hey there. Check it out, I'm doing the classic talking while the music fades out. What do you think? More glamorous, right? (laughs) Gotta up the glam every time. Wow, you know, it's been a wild and crazy uh, few weeks. Yeah, a few months even. The last few weeks has been just a lot of motion back and forth to Orlando for various reasons. Among those reasons was uh, a meeting uh, in person with uh, David Tien, a self-development coach and a Asian philosophy scholar. We have been scheming something, and uh, he was in town I was in town, we locked ourselves in a hotel room for a couple of days to hammer out the direction of this project, and it's really exciting, even though we don't fully even know where it's going, but just the seeds that have been planted are absolutely fascinating and inspiring to both of us, and I think address uh, certain needs and issues and perspectives In the path of self-development, spiritual development, conscious development, whatever you want to call it, areas of that that I don't think get enough light. And so um, we uh, began developing uh, an education project and community uh, and content program uh, around that, and it's really exciting. And we capped off our meeting uh, by recording basically like a joint podcast where we're both the host and we're both just like, you know, dueling dragons of uh, of our perspectives on the mic. Um, it was great. It was high energy and um, kind of designed to be able to be uh, stitched onto either of our podcasts, which is what's happening. So um, I'm stitching onto mine. He's stitching onto his. And uh, that's what today's episode is going to be. What's uh, special about what we're doing? Nothing, really. Like, nothing that hasn't been said before, I guess. And nothing you're going to learn about ancient Eastern philosophy or spirituality or self-development hasn't already been said before in some way. At least the essence of it. The essence of most teachings are very, very similar. They're all getting you to the same place of self-realization. Each path might just take you through different scenery and acknowledge the importance of certain features of the scenery over others. But ultimately, that path is leading you to the same ultimate goal. So in a way, for people like myself who are teachers, this leaves no room for real creativity actually, but tons of room for fake creativity, (laughs) so to speak. Uh, A certain kind of crafty plagiarism that can occur where you take an idea that is definitely not yours, it's definitely been talked about in some way a million times before, and it's definitely a piece of wisdom that lives innately within every human being anyway. They just need to remember that they know this. They just need to tap into it and sustain it and apply it in their lives. All people like me are doing is taking this idea, applying it to their particular context of life, their particular conditioning, cultural conditioning, etc., that they've overcome in the process. Their particular narrative, you know, or the narratives of people they know and understand very well. We're recontextualizing uh, what has been said for thousands of years, Um, but there are infinite ways to do this, because modern life is infinitely complex and challenging now, and so there are endless contexts in which spiritual principles can be applied and challenged, and our understanding of them gets reckoned. (laughs) by the challenges of modern life. And uh, the challenges of modern life can be very discouraging, Um, especially when we've decided we have this identity as someone who is using these practices and should know better and should be better and should, should, should. And then we act in a way that just doesn't really appear to be. (laughs) Um, But in that place, in that place of uh, tension... In that place of, oh crap, I'm supposed to know this shit. Or that place of just raw uncertainty and confusion. That is a place of power and possibility. For deeper and truer understanding. This place where we think we're failing, but we're in fact succeeding. And the only failure is the label we give ourselves as failing, really, and whatever dirty words we uh, apply to discourage ourselves from continuing this powerful work in this contradictory domain of, you know, failing to live what we believe and preach. Those are the true crime. Calling ourselves hypocrites, hypocrisy is brilliant it's a never-ending journey of joy and discovery there's something like especially freeing about acknowledging that gap uh between you know what we believe how we act and it's it's not to simply cure it it's not to simply uh get all of this difficulty and conflict out of the way because once it's gone we'll be happy okay Hypocri- hypocrisy is not to be cured like it's some kind of disease. It's to become a more constructive and nimble hypocrite, (laughs) you know. It's to become better at noticing and reconciling the endless contradictions of this life. That is the whole point of this journey that we're on. And that is where the juice is and the energy and all of the valuable wisdom we can gather and then also give to others and help them. So David and I... Uh, are currently putting together a whole payload of content and education platforms and community possibilities and tools in order to work within this place of contradiction and difficulty and, you know, self-imposed hypocrisy uh, and live in this area in a transformative way where you're growing and expanding and uh, reaching your full potential as a human. All right, without further ado, here is myself and David Tien throwing down. Please enjoy.
1: Yeah, great to meet up again in person. Yeah. Uh, we've been having a lot of video chats and uh, working on this project together. Yeah. So it's cool to finally meet up in person. I am David Tian PhD, in case you didn't know that. And it's the first time hearing my voice. Uh, for over the past 12 years, I've been helping hundreds of thousands of people from over 87 countries. Attain success, happiness, and fulfillment in life and love, in dating, relationships, masculinity, and in lifestyle. And now, um, more recently, we're working in together in the space of meditation and uh, bringing insights from Asian philosophy to bear on your life and how that can improve your life. And uh, one of the th- themes we wanted to discuss for this podcast is... The idea of hypocrisy. So this was actually your brainchild. I think you came up with the first step. And so, would you like to just start us off on this this uh, theme so we can jam on it? Totally. Yeah.
0: I like what I love about like I guess the sort of journey, the spiritual journey, if you want to call it that, the journey of like self discovery, self realization, is you encounter a lot of like ideas and concepts that might have seemed like ugly or dirty and um you see them play out in your life and and you realize the the power and virtue of them. And uh hypocrisy is definitely one of them and it's definitely a dirty word. It's a great way to indict an organization or a government or a person, you know, basically say, You're a hypocrite. Whatever you preach and propose, it's uh you don't practice it yourself, or you certainly are not like a living example of it, tooth to the T, you know. I found contradictions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if we ever catch ourselves being a hypocrite in life, uh, we definitely tend to indict ourselves as well. So, like, oh, I've got these, like, new spiritual principles. I'm, like, practicing, and uh, I'm attempting to live, and I'm telling people about, right? And, uh, but no, oh, no, I got angry, and I criticized someone. I'm such a hypocrite. <laughs> and, and then we're like, oh, I failed. As though hypocrisy is a failure. And um, for me, I don't like to look at anything as a failure or as a stigma. In any of these like kind of dirtier, grimier um, aspects of living in life to be like a sort of diversion off the spiritual path. In fact, it is an absolute... Um, beacon of progress when you encounter hypocrisy uh, in your life. It's basically like ideas that you've been kind of practicing, uh, living, attempting to live, have now run into a new, you know, obstacle, a new testing ground, a new something. And yeah, tension occurs, you know, uh, within yourself. And that's how you deepen your connection and your understanding of these ideas that are really complex and really do have trouble fitting into the difficulties of life and what I want to do is celebrate that tension and celebrate uh, those feelings of getting you know, knocked off track basically
1: mm. yeah. yeah when you're improving in something it'll, it's a process and at the beginning you have to embrace this identity that you're now this person who will, will take it for example meditation mm-hmm. now you're a meditator Mm-hmm. At some point, you you go from trying it out to actually thinking of yourself as I'm somebody who meditates. And yet, there are still going to be those days when you don't meditate and you fall off the bandwagon, so to speak, or you you uh, you get rid of that, or you fall off that habit. And you might think, "Oh, now I can't claim that I'm a meditator." But that's part of the journey. Right? It's part of the prog- process. In the world, society seems now, especially in the modern West. Bringing to task shit that you've done twenty years ago, and now throwing it in your face and having, um, trying to trying to hold you accountable to something that you've that was so long ago, and saying you're a hypocrite because at this earlier time you were thinking a different way. That's just that to me is a sign of deep immaturity, and it's like a deep immaturity in the society. Mm -hmm. So as you become more mature, and you see this among like um, the the Buddhist icons or the sages uh, in Asian literature um, through history that there's a kind of maturity that comes from ah, uh, whatever question the student is asking is coming from that student's perspective and background. So the teacher teaches to that student's background at that level. In fact, in Buddhism, in Buddhist teachings, there's a whole term for it, upaya, right? It's like expedient means, which are you teach for what the student needs to hear at that point in his life. Mm. And the student might be really green and super gung-ho and enthusiastic and like, I will never betray any of these principles ever, sort of like Paul before, or it was not Peter, you know, before he became the, the one who denied Christ or whatever, and that's also in the Christian tradition. And you're like, okay, the teacher says, yes, I can see this. Your enthusiasm is very uh, laudable or whatever, right? And then the inevitable happens. The person backslides. He betrays. He, he's not perfect, it turns out. Mm-hmm. And the teacher said, oh, yes, I knew this was going to happen. And just come on back. This has happened to all of us. And it's not something that you need to hold yourself accountable to because the hypocrisy and the fear of it is, like, based in toxic shame. Mm-hmm. That if I have any contradiction in myself, then what does that say about me? I'm, I'm, shame, I'm shameful. I'm um, not worthy of being um, exposed to the world. I'm not worthy of representing um, these values or whatever and putting myself out there. But the mature realizes that nobody's perfect. It's never 100%, and it's all a process. And embracing that whole process includes forgiveness when... Things change. Forgiveness when you're in, trans- in the transformation, when you're on the path, and um, having more, what's the word, grace for yourself along the way. Um, so I'm, I'm mixing lots of Christian terms along with Buddhist terms and Confucian terms. You're uh, a hypocrite. Yes, I'm a hypocrite. I'm a, yes, I'm, I'm mixing. I'm a mixer. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of that is, like I, I see this in, in the modern world of of the sort of witch hunts, trying to hold people accountable to stuff that, was so long ago and not realizing people change and they really do transform and they really do have can have 180 degree change while still being the same person mm-hmm. And that being all part of their journey in which what makes their lives richer and makes their personal experience that much more um, that much stronger and that much more e- uh, able to help others because mm-hmm. they've gone through all that
0: yeah and I think um the biggest problem we have, and it definitely is a discouraging agent um, for anyone you know interested in maybe like a more conscious spiritual mindful path, is this idea of identity, so like as soon as we're doing this stuff, we now have. A certain identity as practitioner that we're supposed to <laughs> uphold and then we do something that somehow doesn't represent this identity and now we're you know now that is a black mark on our spiritual um report card um uh, when i think um the whole idea of you practicing anything like this is you are um not this this like rigid um sort of vessel of virtue that has to be like you know, carried through the worlds as this shining, flawless example. Um, You are a lab rat and and in a very, very valuable way to everyone. Uh, You are taking these ideas, running into walls with them, and then now you have something to use to instruct others, you know. Uh, I experienced this tension, this contradiction, this challenge carrying forward this better person that I'd like to be. And you now have something you can use to help people. So like hypocrisy is something that can be used to assist, uh, not, not something used to um, discredit someone else, mm. you know, or discredit yourself and say, oh, I'm not a good representative. I'm a hypocrite. Mm. No, you're an ideal representative because you're a hypocrite. Because yes. you experience these contradictions, mm. and you can now pass on your experiences and what you've gained from them, and uh, you know, and we, you know, and we'll we'll do this. I mean, I find
1: myself <laughs> castigating myself, you
0: know, and you know. Mm. My wife and I do this to each other, like you know, she's a meditation teacher as well, and you know, and we get into like some argument and get lost in this like you know, um, like lower animal battle, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh, you so see, you're a meditation teacher, huh? I thought you were. What's this about then? You know, and so we always do this. We always like take this like the other person's proposed identity. And then, like, use it against them, you know, to, like, say, your behavior is not reflecting that. Um, but then after we we come to our senses, we realize that, you know, we've, we've just gone through a very valuable experience. And and that is, uh, I think, really what the spiritual process is all about. You are not just glossing over the world in this big, beautiful, happy sort of uh, picture of everything is perfect. You're actually cultivating your ability to um, hold contradictory ideas in your awareness so like you know I think we're all one and we all need to get along uh, and we all need to treat each other as um, you know uh, an extension of ourselves and at the same time I need to have boundaries and I need to know when to put someone in their place and these two ideas are going to kind of grind against each other and, and it's our own process of Growing awareness and awakening as practitioners that will allow us to reconcile them as like gracefully as possible to be able to um, benefit you know the collective hmm. basically
1: yeah i'd push it also for um, in my industry of helping guys with with their dating issues and relationships and, and so on that there's also a kind of judgmentalism that comes along with the hypocrisy as a major component of it. <clears throat> so in one of the Facebook groups that I'm in, I saw a post recently that, um, where it was a, a po- somebody had posted an article from some guru or something, and I don't know this guru. And then one of the moderator of that group came into the comments and said, I know this guru personally, and he does not uh, live his own philosophy. So that invalidates everything he's saying here. Take it all with a grain of salt. I would prefer to just delete this post, but I'm going to leave this here as a cautionary tale. Mm-hmm. This person doesn't live what he preaches. Yeah. And then all these people came in, came in like, oh, thank you for pointing that out. Oh, good thing I didn't read the article and that kind of bullshit, right? And I was thinking, every one of these motherfuckers should take a course in philosophy <laughs> because there's a fallacy, the ad hominem fallacy, which everyone now hopefully understands now that I've just said that, which is the against the man where you attack the man. It's got nothing to do with the philosophy. So you could actually have a great teacher, like the teaching might have no problems with it whatsoever, even though the person disseminating the information has difficulty applying it. Mm -hmm. For instance, I might have just really jittery hands, and I'm trying to figure out how to use the fire extinguisher. So I'm reading the instructions on the fire extinguisher. It says pull this, then yank this, then point it at this, Mm -hmm. because I'm just super nervous I can't do it does not invalidate the instructions from the fire extinguisher. And the fire extinguisher itself is perfectly functional. Mm-hmm. I just stuck it using it. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that if I tell you, if I were to read out the instructions to you, that you can't come along and use those same instructions to get the intended result. Mm-hmm. So this is one of the reasons why everyone should learn philosophy as well, clear thinking. But this hypocrisy is in a sense like that, they're trying to accuse that guy of hypocrisy. He doesn't uh, walk the talk or if he doesn't uh, apply what he, live what he preaches. Um, and I've, I've seen people use this fallacy so many times to basically, uh, well, invalidate or sabotage or undercut everything that somebody says based on um, the time that he's, he uh, acted out of character at Starbucks or whatever, right? It's like, really pissed, and he's, oh, don't, don't listen to anything that guy says. He's clearly not a teacher. He's not got it together. Mm-hmm. And it's actually a reflection of our own fears, that are of our own fears of shame that we're not perfect, we're not 100% perfect, and we project it onto, onto these other figures that threaten us in a way of like, oh, this guy's perfect. Mm, what does that say about me? Why can't I be as great as this guy? Oh, I found this guy's flaw. Yeah. All right, we're outside right now, and an airplane's going over us. And it's also, in case you hear, the fountain where, oh, it's a helicopter. Um, we got a fountain in this really cool courtyard here at the Sheraton Resorts. Um, so you're hearing lots of background noise, which our sound editor is going to have to be do some tricky editing to get um, out of the of the bandwidth there. So, uh, returning to the point, being judgmental, and um, as a common response from our own dealing with our own shame about not being perfect, and seeing somebody being held up as a teacher, as some kind of authority who's better than us in some way, and in the back of my mind, it's very tempting to be able to bring that guy down to earth or, or woman so that it swashes it our own sense of, in, of insignificance yeah. so, that we can, we can, so that we're looking to bring this person down. So you have to actually resist that temptation, that, um, that normal tendency in, in the human being to bring down that which is, which is held up above you and try to look for what can I learn from that person, regardless, like, especially what that person is teaching, regardless of the person himself can i separate the teachings from the person so no matter what that however that person is living i can still get the value out of the teachings because those are two separate things
0: yeah and anyone that's looking for a perfect teacher is probably looking for the wrong thing because what they're looking for is teachings they don't have to question and Mm. um you know it's like oh this guy is perfect everything he's telling me i can just follow to the to a t and uh, not have to worry about it. But in fact, anything you learn, you're going to have to um, apply your own sense of judgment to. And you're going to have to apply it to your life in your own way. In your own clumsy way. Just as this teacher is attempting to. You know. And there's lots of ways to evaluate a teacher. And there's lots of ways that I have actually decided that, yeah, a teacher's character was not something that made what they were teaching trusting, trustworthy. Um, and that can happen occasionally. Sure. Um, but to, um, invalidate a teacher because they're not a perfect or whatever your idea of perfect representation of what they teach, um, that's actually counterintuitive to actually do that sometimes. Because, um, I think sometimes the best teachers are people that struggle with what they are teaching. Mm. Um, so basically let's say someone is naturally really compassionate or naturally really loving like just they're just so good at it sometimes they might not even know how they're even doing that (laughs) just like a natural athlete they're not going to make a great coach necessarily they just do things so fluidly without thinking it's actually those that have struggled and have had to use their own sort of like mental models and frameworks to overcome that struggle that can make um, better teachers
1: absolutely yeah Yeah. so like I have never had to struggle with alcoholism or any kind of any addictions at a, at a, an extreme level. Mm-hmm. So you should not listen to me. Like So I don't have as much to share about a 12-step pro- program. Yeah. The people you should really be listening to, listening to are the ones who actually struggle with it, so they have so much more to share. Mm-hmm. They have so many more insights and experiences to share with, with you. But if you were to say, oh my God, don't listen to that alcoholic talk about alcoholism. he, has, he he's, yeah. uh, he's uniquely disqualified from this because he's an alcoholic you 're actually pushing aside the one person you should be listening to, and this is also connected to the dark side, like those who have grappled with their shadows or their dark sides or the, the parts of them that they 've had to fight to become better um, those are the people who you you can learn the most from because they not only have the theoretical but they have the practical knowledge and they have the experience and the stories and the They've, they know it from the inside, so they have that experiential knowledge. It's just like if, if you hear a war veteran talk about how dangerous war is and how dangerous these weapons are or whatever, it's a lot more meaningful than hearing it from me, right? Because I've never... I've, I've only fired guns at shooting ranges totally safe. And, you know, I, I was a middle-class kid, right? So in Canada, where you can't get guns. So don't listen to me about <laughs> how to fire a gun. I mean, I'll read the book and tell it to you. So, you know, but you 'd be much better off with somebody who 's grappled with the dark side of the weapons of the fallout from war of of uh, watching his friends die in battle and all that and he mm-hmm. can tell you about from his personal experiences and and, uh, and lead you through and guide you through and coach you through how to best use these weapons and how to best prepare for the battle mm-hmm. so you, we end up um, shaming those who have in some ways the most to teach. Mm-hmm. And this is a, so I'll bring up a controversial example. Um, when I was a kid, there were a bunch of uh, TV preachers, evangelists on TV. Swaggered I can't remember their names. Now. I should have Googled this before, but I just thought of it now. Uh, Swaggart's one of uh, Anyway, so they ended up uh, as past, preachers and pastors of gigantic churches, mega churches. And then it turns out that they had, uh, they were both cheating on their wives. And, mm-hmm. and in fact, it got so, it went, this, this uh, story went so far that, the mistresses got approached by Playboy magazine, both, in both cases, I think, to pose nude as the preacher's mistress and, <laughs> and all this. And anyway, they, they were disgraced and thrown out of the church and all this. And uh, eventually they tried to make a comeback. I remember seeing as a teenager, whoa, this guy's still trying, right? And mm-hmm. so as a conservative Christian, you all judge the hell out of them. You know, yeah. if, I would never do that, you know, that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, now he's preaching about Um, And I can't can't remember their specific names, and I don't want to use them as specific examples because I didn't look it up um, before this. But imagine this fallen, disgraced preacher after 10 years of struggling with the shame and and all of that, and his own guilt or whatever, and he repents and goes through a process. And now he comes out saying, um, this is the danger of grappling with lust, or here's what happens when you prioritize uh, your career over your relationship, and, and here's exactly how you could fall into this error, um, you should listen to that guy. Yeah, He's actually gone through it, and he's come out the other end and is sharing these lessons with you. Instead of saying, he's got nothing to teach. Look at him. He's a cheater. <laughs> yeah. He's teaching about cheating. <laughs> he's the guy you should listen to.
0: Yeah. Have you sublimated your struggles and your mistakes into valuable teachings? Then you're a valuable teacher. Then... You know, you're not really a hypocrite at that point. You're a hypocrite if you're pretending you're not making mistakes, I guess. That would be like something to worry about someone who's pretending that they are perfect. And I have, I have dropped teachers like that before those hmm. that, that try to emanate this image of perfection. Um, but I tend to trust those that are vulnerable more now. And, uh, and people will tend to trust people that are vulnerable just in everyday life, those hmm. that do admit. That they are struggling, rather than those that have this are are attempting to um, promote this affectation of fully realized awesome. You know, this veneer Um, Mm -hmm. that's untrustworthy. But those that are full of tension and contradiction, those people I tend to trust (laughs) because they're they're you know they're being honest.
1: Yeah, I try to learn from teachers from. I try to learn from everyone, including little kids. I'll be mm-hmm. spending the evening with my three and six-year-old nephews, and mm-hmm. I try to look for. It's pretty easy to learn. Well, they'll teach you some stuff. They'll force you to mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> to learn some things. But um, one of the one of the things I've noticed over the past few years is when I meet. Have you ever tried like meeting one of your heroes or something like that, or somebody you've been following for a while, and then you meet them in person, and they don't match the way that you and you thought they'd be. The vibe that they give out. And maybe that's the way with some people and me, like when they meet me, I don't know. Um, But that's been the way for me meeting other, some of the people I looked up to and admire, meeting them in person, getting an in-person consult or, you know, and and, and interacting with them. It's different. I'm like, I don't really like them. I don't really jive with them. And some of the things they say in private might be like something I disagree with and I didn't know I disagreed with them on that. Mm -hmm. Yet still, that does not invalidate any of the benefit and the value that I derived before that. Mm -hmm. Right? It doesn't, I don't then look back on all that I've learned and just throw it all out the window. I have a brain, and I've been trained to think analytically, and I can separate the man from the message. And sometimes you, need to, you do want to, as a heuristic, um, whose message should I pay the most attention to and dive deeper in? And then you might be going off, of, off the person's vibe or even his voice. And I, I've been criticized for my voice occasionally, like on YouTube. I can't stand your voice and the way you babble. Hey, I get it. <laughs> uh, but what have, what have I said? You're just attacking the style. Um, but what of the substance and the content? And there are people I disagree with vehemently and uh, vehemently. And people who I um, just, when I hear their voices or when I see them on the video, I just it grates on me. And yet... I try to listen to their, their argument. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? What are the reasons? What are the, what's the evidence? And I try my best. And we're all um, partial and, and uh, subjective and, you know, we're all mired in that. Um, but I try to my best to do that, to try to sift out uh, my feelings for this person from the message that's coming across mm-hmm. and evaluating the message on its own merits. And uh, this has been great because what it's done for me is it's allowed me to sit with the tension that is happening emotionally for me, like, oh, mm, I don't really like this person, and sit with that longer to get to the message. And I found that some people who really graded on me at the beginning, if I stayed with that message. I can really now uh, – reaches a point where I can see it from their viewpoint. Even though I still disagree, I can see why they have that view. Mm-hmm. Right? We were talking about this casually uh, the other day, like, being at that point where you can sit with people from completely different viewpoints and be able to enter their, their, their point of view and see why they would have that view yeah. and um, how they would arrive at that and how to them it might be coherent. And trying to have some em- and then it becomes easier to empathize with them on that. Um, and, and that's just a really great life skill. And you'll be able to derive a lot more wisdom from a lot more sources if you're able to do that.
0: Yeah, and you'll be able to get there uh, more quickly if you um, take accountability for uh, what you're experiencing uh, when that person is bothering Mm. you. Because um, the first thing we'll do is just dismiss them and say, oh, well, it's because they're obviously this, 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 or this. They're obviously an idiot in this way. Without even questioning why. Like why you actually think that. And um, this is a very – I've heard this – discussed by i think buddhist teachers a lot if somebody triggers you then they have something to teach you about yourself if something if you have a strong reaction to anything there is something in you that needs to be examined and you can seek to gain a lot from that's why they say the best teachers are those that upset us um because if something is triggering us intensely it, it needs to be worked out and examined and uh, to just to just simply let yourself um have such strong feelings and not question the your own mental constructs around that is a missed opportunity to learn about yourself and then you'll have gratitude for these people that that grind against you that that wear on you um, for revealing more about who you are Um, besides just learning you know what they may have to teach just from their own perspective but like you you yourself will you know expand your your self understanding
1: Hmm. Oh, that was so great. Um, we got to um, take that clip out and <laughs> put it out separately. You said, um, when somebody triggers you, they have something to teach you. Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's just, that, that on its own should be a, a, its own quote. We'll make it a quote card for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, because that's brilliant. That's so true. And the current society p- puts the blame on the triggerer. Yeah. Instead of being able to go both ways and say, okay, I'm being triggered, and maybe there's some blame on the, uh, that person for doing that on purpose, but what can I learn? Why am I triggered by this person? What is it in me that's being called out here? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm, I'm a member of these subtle, they're called subtle Asian traits groups. There's several of them, and one of them is like over a million people. And I see so many Asians who are triggered by, by just people being white That's like, They named a bunch of these thinkers that um, are prominent. Uh, Many of them are associated with the right wing and with right wing thinking. And uh, they just, I asked them, like, what did they say that made you feel uh, offended? Mm -hmm. And they couldn't come up with any arguments. It was almost like just by the very nature of their uh, personality or probably their skin color or the way they looked or their background and what they were projecting was triggering these guys. Mm-hmm. And of course it comes out of being bullied uh, when you were a child and, and th- having racial epithets thrown at you or you know, the kind of... You know, you're, you're getting triggered back into your childhood days you know, at the schoolyard when the white kids were like, beating you up and stuff and, and saying chink or whatever it is, right? That's what's happening with you because it's not, it's not happening in the actual content that you're clipping here, mm-hmm. that you're showing. And they don't stop to think about it. They just blame the other person for causing those emotions in them. Mm-hmm. And it's a very immature and neurotic approach to life. And I thought, oh, that's just a pocket of people. That's just a minority of people happening in these little pockets. And I just see it more and more. Um, so I, I guess like, it's a good message to put, to put out there to beware of those tendencies in yourself when you start, you know, if you can spot those happening.
0: Yeah, and, you know, doing that is uh, just a real tragic sort of um, relinquishing of your own power. You know, because basically you're saying how I feel is just passively dependent on who's around me. You know, if white people are around me, I feel agitated. So, you know, life would be better if, if white people weren't around me. <laughs> Not, you know, life would be better if I somehow overcame and reconciled my nature uh, to get triggered by white people. That would be a good, a good place, a better place to start, you know? Like that analogy that. Um, Ramana Maharshi talks about, which was actually, there was a, I think Shanti Deva talked about it before that, the Buddhist, the Tibetan Buddhist um, monk from hundreds of years ago. Mm. He said, why try and cover the world with leather? That's a lot of work, you know, just make shoes for yourself. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just such a simple principle. And all of us would hear this and say, of course, why would anyone try and be covering the world with leather? Well, you do that in a subtle way every time Mm. you think someone else is the problem. You know, and create a rationalization around why. Why you don't need to change. You just need to uh, somehow create this utopian environment around you to feel happier, you know. Mm.
1: Yes. Don't try to cover the world in leather. Make yourself some nice leather shoes. That's awesome. And if you ever have trouble, if you find yourself having trouble a lot with being triggered and being out of control, what you ought to do is to develop a meditation habit. You ought to learn meditation Practice it on a regular basis, it will save your life. I'm not exaggerating right now. So maybe that's a good way to end um, this podcast. We all both of us have to run to dinner reservations. So uh, (laughs) thanks so much for listening. And uh, Stefan, how do they uh, find you?
0: Oh, uh, I am on www.serveconscious.com. Um, Find me there. Send me a ding. I'd love to talk to you uh, just about what you're going through in your life, uh, especially if you have, like, actual service challenges, professionally or otherwise. Um, And I have a podcast. It's on iTunes. It's the Serve Conscious Podcast. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun with that, having awesome conversations with David and others, and I'm sure we'll have many more on there. So, uh, yeah.
1: Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go visit serveconscious.com for more for Stefan, um, and for me, davidtnphd.com, you can find the all of the previous episodes of the DTPHD podcast on there as well as our vlog and our man up um, episodes as well and lots of other great content for you. So, thanks so much for listening and I'll talk to you again soon.
0: Thank you for dropping by the Serve Conscious podcast. For more content, Check out the Serve Conscious website, www.serveconscious.com, for past episodes and articles and an opportunity to speak with me directly if you would like to upgrade your meditation or service life. I'll see you there. Thanks so much. Ciao.